Let's pray and then we'll look into God's word today. God, we believe in your Holy Spirit. He's the Lord, the giver of life. Um, We stop this moment and we acknowledge that we believe the invisible world is real. Even this moment, while we're sitting on plastic chairs and our feet on a wooden floor, breathing oxygen and uh, artificial light, at the same time, we believe there's another world right here in which your spirit is incredibly active and can talk to us, can show us things. Um, so would your spirit, uh, would, would you help us be receptive to what your spirit is saying to us? Let me ask this all in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, I want to start off, I forgot about this. Uh, I met another pastor for the first time this week, Little Union Baptist Church. Everybody know where that is? It's out in Unionville. Uh, this pastor called me this week, wanted to, um, we, we talked about a lot, variety of things, but he's like a lot of pastors, there's challenges with their job and things like that. So his name is Grant Quimby. His wife is Sarah. And it's spelled like, uh, sometimes it's spelled in the Bible, Sarah. Um, so have, have a card again. Just send a greeting card. We send a gift card to his wife. I already told him, your wife will get a gift, gift card to the restaurant. She doesn't have to take you if she doesn't want to. So that's what I was telling. And because I was told that the fat Sharpies are hard to write with, there's two fat and two skinny Sharpies in the thing. So... You just need to, and if you, even if you don't know these people, just sign it. Um, we had a great conversation this week. So Grant and Sarah Quimby, that's their daughters, Pale and Olivia. Um, so just another, uh, another pastor and his wife. Um, I, I tell pastors this, and I don't mean this to be, uh, it's not, it sounds self-serving, but it's not. I think pastoring is one of the hard, hard it's, a very, it's one of the hardest jobs in the world. We all have jobs that are hard, but I think with pastors, um, there's a burden, pastors feel, myself included, a burden that I'm doing this and I, I want to do it well because um, before God. I mean, it's not, not that God, we're not we're afraid of God, but there's a burden to the calling of pastors. So a lot of times when I interact with pastors, it's dealing with how they bear that burden. We bear it, I, I, bear it, I bear it gladly. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I do it, but it still feels like a burden. So this particular week when I talked with Grant, that's what we talked about. This is the burden and how he's trying trying to respond to that sense of responsibility before God. So it was good. So, so uh, here's the question for the day. What is God saying to you lately, and what are you doing with it? If you've been to Exodus for the last 20-plus years, you might have seen this question before. Um, but it's a question I think is really good to ask. And uh, I'm actually using a sermon idea that I first preached 20 years ago here. And you might, you, as I preach it, you might be like, I think he said some of this before. People say pastors have three to four sermons total in their whole library, and every sermon is a theme and variation on those themes, right? So every pastor has like three or four sermons in them, which basically means every pastor has three or four things that are kind of woven deep into their DNA. And this is one for me, this whole idea of, what is God saying to you? How do you know what he's saying to you? And uh, I, th- I thought, for me, for me, I want to revisit this. Because even though I've you know, been a Christian for, I don't know, over 50 years now, been a pastor for over 30 years, I still am understanding, trying to understand, wanting to understand more and more about how God speaks to me, how he, how he speaks to each one of us. And how do we know that? I mean, there's... 
um, trying to figure out. So some of you might be facing, maybe you don't have an answer to this question, but some of you, maybe there's something God's been saying to you, or maybe there's something you want God to say to you. Maybe there's a decision you have to make or fork in the road, and you're trying to figure out, I don't know if I go this way or this way, and I want to know from God, and how do I know if God's telling me yes or no? And um, I don't know why I did this. I when I, was a, when I was a kid, I remember I was trying to, this is like I was maybe a young 10 or 12, <laughs> determined to understand what God wanted in a certain situation, as a 10-year-old would. And my determining factor was, okay, if, if I, God, if I go to my bedroom and the bedroom door is open, then I know you want me to do A, but if it's closed, I want you to do B. I was trying to find any kind of sign. So we may not do that, but we're always looking for, what is God telling me to do in this situation? How do we know, and how do you know it's the voice of God? All right, so we're going to look at, here, here's the phrase for the day, speak your servant is listening. This is, if you, have, if you get nothing else from the sermon, I'll tell you right now, this is something I'm going to encourage you. It's a great one-line prayer to pray what takes you maybe 15 seconds to pray that prayer. So sometimes we don't need, you don't always need long uh, shopping list prayers. Sometimes the best prayers are just mimicking the prayers from Scripture and praying that way. So this particular prayer is from a young boy named Samuel. Um, I think it was probably 12 years old. This takes place about 3,000 years ago in ancient Israel. Samuel, um, let me just back up. I'll tell the story. So Samuel's mom was Hannah. Sam, she couldn't have any kids. At least at this point, she was, she was kind of torn in agony that she couldn't have children. Her husband, and at that time her husband had two wives. The other wife who had kids, would mock her. And so it even insult injury. And so she prayed to the Lord, if you give me a child, he will belong to you. And I don't know if she knew exactly what she meant by that, but what ended up happening, she got pregnant, she had Samuel. So when Samuel was old enough, uh, when he was weaned, the Bible tells us, she gave him over to serve in the temple. So the sense is he kind of lived as a young boy in the temple as an assistant to the priest. The priest's name was Eli. Eli was an old man. So uh, let's fast forward now to Samuel's being 12 years old. And uh, this I never, I've never seen when I see kids' Bible picture books. But when Hannah prayed, she said that of her son, he would never have his hair cut. He would be a Nazarene, Nazarite vow. So imagine a 12-year-old with whatever 12-year-old long hair would look like. So that's, that's 12-year-old Samuel. So he had a separate room because he would, since he, Eli was blind, he helped him out. So this is a situation where Samuel is spoken to. All right. This is chapter 3 of 1 Samuel. So that's the context. He's living in the temple with the priest Eli. All right. Chapter, chapter 3, verse 1 of the book of 1 Samuel. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare. Some versions say the word of the Lord was very rare. And there were visions, and visions were quite uncommon. The sense was God wasn't communicating or they weren't hearing. One night, Eli, who was almost blind by, almost, almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, which means it was about four in the morning because the lamp had a certain cycle to when they lit it, when it went out. Lamp of God had not yet gone out. Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Suddenly, the Lord called out, Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied. What is it? He got up and ran to Eli. Here I am, 
Did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So he did. Then the Lord called out again, Samuel. And Samuel got up again and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, my son, Eli said. Go back to bed. So again, imagine what, what was happening. What, where, what was Samuel hearing, feeling, sensing, experiencing, whatever word you want to put in there. He thought he heard somebody calling him. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So the Lord called a third time, and once again, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down again. And if someone calls again, here's what you say. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed. And the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. I'm going to stop with the story there. If you want to read the story on your own later, he actually tells Samuel some shocking things about how he was going to judge some of the things happening. Because Eli, had, Eli the priest, had two sons that were, uh, that were just perverts. They were sexually weird, and so God's telling Samuel was going to do. But the whole point is right now is how you know Samuel was listening to God, and he actually said, "Speak, Lord, you're listening." So, point number one from this is this: that God wants to have a conversation with you, and uh, He wants to talk with you. And God uses better grammar than me. I have God want to talk with you. I just noticed that when I got here. But God wants to talk to you. We we tend to think. One of my favorite authors, Abe Tozer, wrote this. He said, we, we think that God was in this really conversational speaking mood during the Bible times, but now he's not. So we can read about all these cool conversations he had with people like Samuel or David or Paul or Peter, but don't expect that for yourself. It's absolutely not true. There's no evidence that God stopped speaking when the Bible was done. And God is not... He is still in a speaking mood because he's a relational God. If I were telling you that I had conversations with my wife this week, you would be like, well, that's obvious. You're married. Of course you have conversations. But that's the nature of our relationship with God. Of course we should have conversations with God. And that should be an expectation. It should be a norm, not an exception. Again, sometimes we tend to read. I'm just, we tend to read the Bible and we look at people like Samuel talk to them. Paul, David, and we think, well, they're like the Bible superheroes. That's why God talked to them. He doesn't talk to ordinary people. But before they were Bible superheroes, they were ordinary people, just like you and me, and God talked to them. So God wants to talk to us. God wants to have a conversation with you. He doesn't, and he wants to talk personally. He wants to talk directly to you. He wants to talk to you in a way that you understand. He doesn't talk in code. He doesn't use foreign languages. I mean, he doesn't, he wants to talk and he wants you to understand it. And so we're ordinary people. Samuel at that point, he was somewhat of an extraordinary boy because of what he was born, but he was just a boy. And God had a conversation with him. If you read the Bible in just the frame of conversations with God, you will see all over the place God having conversations with Noah, with Abraham, with Samuel, with Ruth, with Peter, with, you know, 
most of, the, most of the people you know of in the Bible, God had conversations with them. And we don't have evidence, although there are a few cases where they heard something verbal, even like when Paul, Saul, was going uh, to persecute Christians. They said he heard a voice. The others around him didn't hear anything. But the general sense is most of the time when God spoke, it was some kind of internal something sensing that you, that person knew was God. Now, in this case, Samuel didn't because he was a young boy. And Eli finally realized that's what's happening. I'm going to help Samuel. So it's, it's normal of the Christian life to say, I want to hear from God. I want God to talk to me. Second thing in this passage, so second thing in this passage is this, that, that uh, you can recognize God's voice. We tend to think that, uh, well, how do I know if that's God? How do I know if what I'm thinking is God? Um, when Kathy calls me and leaves a message on my phone, one, I know it's her because I see voice identification and stuff. But I know Kathy's voice enough that I know it's her. Now, lately, maybe you, lately with artificial intelligence, with AI, people can do mimicking of voices. And I just read something recently where a parent got a phone call from a child they thought was their child because it was an artificially generated voice that sounded just like their child saying, I was in a bad car accident or whatever, I've been kidnapped or whatever, you need to send money ASAP. And it sounded like them. Which is kind of scary when you think about it because they can, they can take a recording of somebody's voice and they can then mimic it in a phone call or whatever. But then they said the parents started realizing something doesn't feel quite right about what they're saying or how they're saying it. And that's, think about how we recognize the voice of God. Sometimes you might feel like God's telling you to do something or you're not sure if it's God or it's some kind of internal thing. And then you start thinking, this doesn't sound like God would tell me to do this. I mean, I had a, I had a uh, pastor who wasn't a friend of mine, somebody I knew this was probably 25 years ago. He told me that God told him it was okay for him to divorce his wife and marry a secretary. And I said, that can't be God. Because we know from Scripture that that's not something God would tell you. I had somebody else tell me, a pastor, tell me, God told me it was okay for me to have uh, gay sexual relations. Well, that can't be God. Because that's not, that's not how God already talks. So we don't study the Bible. We study the Bible because we want to understand who God is, so when we hear his voice, we can start realizing that's not the voice of God saying that. But so we don't study the Bible to kind of win in jeopardy or whatever. We study the Bible because we see accounts of God relating to his friends, like we are, and see how he talks to them, see the things that God values, see the things that he wants for us, and we realize, okay, this must be the voice of God saying these things. And we understand that, um, that God speaks those kind of ways. So here's the question with this passage with Samuel. Recognize God's voice. And here's three questions I like to ask in this passage. One, it was at 4 a.m. Why did God speak at 4 a.m.? Well, maybe God likes to speak at really inconvenient times. Maybe sometimes God will stop and tell you something, and it may seem like an inconvenient hour an inconvenient day or an inconvenient season of life to do what he just said to do. 
So God doesn't necess- God loves to speak. You look at many stories in the Bible that God spoke to people and said, go do this, go do that. It often was very inconvenient. So I'm not saying that every time you hear something that's inconvenient, it's God. But if it's, if it's an inconvenient time, at least put a yellow flag up, this might be God. I need to pay attention to this. So 4 a.m., second question is, what, why did God speak to a boy? Why didn't he speak to a grown man who was a trained priest or a grown woman who was you know, religious and spiritual? But again, sometimes God speaks to unlikely people. And sometimes those unlikely people are you and me. We don't think why, and sometimes he speaks to unlikely people. And so he, he could speak any time of day. Um, and then third question of this is, how did Eli know it was God's voice? Well, Eli, even though he had two sons that were way off on the wild side, he knew enough about his relationship with God that what was happening was God's speaking to, to Samuel. So Eli would say, he, that's why he told Samuel, go back to bed and ask the Lord what you're supposed to do. So you can recognize God's voice. Jesus even said, my sheep hear my voice. And he says in John 10, my sheep know my voice. So it's not like only for the special people, the educated, the more spiritual, whatever. Jesus says, my sheep will recognize my voice. Now you might say, as I would probably ask, what kind of things does God say? or what is he? he might tell you about a conversation you had with a family member, and maybe he points out something to you, like he's done to me, that maybe how I mishandled a situation, I need to ask for forgiveness. He may talk to you about your money, about how you're using it, or whether or not you should be giving to ministries or whatever. That's not a plug for money for excess, but I'm just saying God will speak that way. He may speak to you about a change of career. He may speak to you about any variety of things. He may speak to you about something that your son or daughter needs to hear from you. That maybe you hadn't thought about, but it keeps in your head. Um, one, of the things, one of the things that I, this is just an, an illustration that I find really helpful. So if you have a random thought, it feels random, and you're like, how do I know if this is God? I often will say to God, God, this, I, I don't know if this is you, but if it's you, keep this thought sticking in my head. Like, you guys remember the old Etch-a-Sketch things you could draw, and then ha- what would you do if you wanted to erase it? You shook it up, right? So I'm like, God, if this is from you, I, if I shake it, if it goes away, I know it probably wasn't you. But if I shake it, in other words, if, I, if it keeps coming back in my head and sticks there, then I'm going to assume, God, this is you. So it's okay to ask God those kind of questions. You know, Gideon asked God, how do I know it's you? It's okay to ask God those questions. How do I know it's you? And if it's a recurring thought that fits the character and the mission of God to set you free and other people free, and it just doesn't go away, it's probably God, and you should probably act on it. You should act on it and see where it goes. So... you. Test God on those things. Test God on those things. Ask him if this is you, then tell me this. I mean, I've had times where, um, like I, said, I think it was one time, I, God told me to give money to somebody who was working the cash register at Midas Muffler. And it seemed like odd, weird, like why am I doing this? But I did. 
It felt weird, but I knew it was God. So I'm just saying, and that, that may be a small thing. There may be bigger things about your family, your direction of your future, or what, what you're doing in your job. But you can recognize God's voice. Um, can. Now, a couple, couple uh, reservations some might have. And I've heard these. I've had these. Um, reservation number one is, well, I, you know, God only speaks to the Bible. So I heard God tell me 23 years ago he wanted me to start a new church. There's no Bible verse that says go start a new church. Right? So God speaks through the Bible in terms of his tone, but he doesn't always use Bible, exact Bible verses to tell you to do it. But I knew when God was telling me to start this church, it was congruent with what I knew of God from the Bible. So when people say it's kind of dangerous when we start talking about God said this to me. Because if I were to say, and you didn't know me, if I said God told me this, you would most likely think I was a little bit kooky. Right? And if you end up saying that to people, I feel like God told me this. You feel like, uh, this is kind of risky to tell people I think God's talking to me. Like, do you hear dead people? You know, that, you know, that kind of, but it's okay if you feel like God's saying something to you then maybe even tell a friend, hey, I just have this sense that God might be prompting me. You don't have to declare, like, God's saying this to me, but it, you, you try it out. And if you never try it out, you'll never do it. Um, so that's one. Uh, we often, we, me, we're concerned about what we, you know, what I'll call the, the crazies on TV. You know, when somebody's, some of the more extreme versions of ministries or pastors who are usually telling, telling you that God's telling them to tell you to give him money. Well, that's kind of a little bit of a flag. But I'm just saying, don't, don't let the extremes make you throw the baby out with the bathwater. The Holy Spirit does want to speak to you. He will speak to you. And don't think, well, I don't want to be like those people. If you're concerned about that, you probably won't be. You probably will be kind of, I want to hear what God has to say to me. So the last thing from this passage is, when, is just going to be this phrase right here. Invite God to speak to you. And maybe this phrase, speak God, I'm listening. Your servant's listening. Because your servant, even that say, it's, it's, a, it's, it's already saying, I'm willing to do what you ask me. Not, tell me what you want me to do and I'll decide if I want to do it. Speak. Your servant is listening. Tell me what you want me to do. And when I'm sure that it's you, which is a reasonable thing. I want to, if I want to know it's the voice of God, I will do this. If you give God conditions, I will do this if I can map it out and it looks good for me. No, it's speak, Lord. I'm listening. And granted, he said, Samuel said that, and God gave him some bad news that he was going to do to Eli's family because their sons were so reprobate. And Eli said to Samuel later on in chapter 3, well, what did he say to you? And Samuel kind of balked, 12-year-old boy. And then Eli said, tell me what he said to you, even if, it was, if it's difficult for me to hear. I'm paraphrasing, but that's kind of what I was saying. And so Samuel says, well, here's, here's what God said to me. And it was hard for Samuel to tell Eli what God was going to do. But Samuel knew from that moment on, Samuel becomes 
a significant part of the Old Testament stories because he always tells people what God told him to tell them. Now, it's not all bad news. But if you ask God, if you say, speak, Lord, I'm listening, you have to be willing to do what he asks you to do. Um, I'm getting my phone out and I to check anything, but I've got, I've got two bars here, all right? Some of you might have more than two or less than two, but when, we're in a, when you're in a zone where there's like no bars, like uh, if you're in the middle of Brown County State Park, you usually get no bars. That means you have zero receptivity, right? Receptivity is a huge part of learning how to hear from God. If you're not putting yourself in a place where you can hear from God, and by that I mean, that's why we read scripture. That's why we spend time and pray. That's why we gather together as a church to worship. Because we're putting ourselves in a place where God is known to speak. He's known to speak through his word. He's known to speak when you're in prayer. He's known to speak during worship. So if you want to hear from God, know where God speaks and put yourself in a place where you're receptive to what he's saying. I would say this, when you're worshiping, whether it's in here or singing in your car or whatever, be especially aware of random thoughts that come to your mind. Because if you're worshiping, you're opening up this pathway to God, you're telling him things, and maybe that means he might tell you things. So just, I'm just saying, put yourselves in those receptive places. If you're reading the Bible and something jumps out to you from the page, if, if the 10-point font all of a sudden becomes in your head 16-point font, it might be God trying to get your... So when you put yourselves in places where you're spiritually receptive, you have a greater chance that God's going to speak in those environments. Not, not that God can't speak when you're you know, mowing the lawn, but I'm saying he often speaks when you put yourself in a receptive mode so that your heart has multiple bars, so to speak. So when he wants to speak to you, um, you hear it. So, and when you ask him to speak, you have to intend to obey. Again, not, not, nothing, uh, no conditions. So again, I'll go back to the original question. What do you, what's God saying to you lately? What are you doing with it? Maybe some of you have heard, maybe you have a sense that God's nudging you to do something. Or maybe there's a question you're asking God and he, you're waiting to hear and maybe waiting to hear with a little bit of fear. Like, I don't know what he's going to say. And then we have to remind ourselves over and over and over again that he is good to us. He's not going to ask you to do something that's going to destroy you. And you might, I, I, had, a, I had a stepsister, um, my mom remarried after my dad died, who said she was always afraid to ask God about going to be a missionary because she didn't want to go overseas until she was married. And so she would never really want to hear God say clearly because what if God tells me to go to Africa? Literally, that's where she went, Kenya. What if he tells me to go and I'm not married yet? And then she finally got to the point where she said, I finally said to God, I will go whenever you tell me to go, period. But she said it took her a while to get to that point. So you have to intend to obey. You have to hear. So, and then I'll finish this. Go, go back to the red. Go to the red verse now. So if we hear the voice of God, if we hear the voice of Jesus, Jesus says this. 
Uh, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. And where does he lead us to? He leads us to eternal life. And please don't understand that as simply being life after you die. Because eternal life in the context of how Jesus uses it, it's life beyond life in this life. It's a, it's a life that transcends this life. Because then you have joy and peace. You have patience and kindness beyond what is humanly possible. Because Jesus leads you into an eternal kind of life. I'll just encourage you, sometimes when you see the word phrase eternal life, get out of your mind heaven after we die. That's part of it. Put into it an eternal kind of life. It's a life that is bigger and broader, transcends into the unseen world, and that's where the power of God for supernatural peace and joy come from. So Jesus will never lead you to some place that's going to destroy your heart. So if he says... My, listen, my sheep know my voice. They listen to my voice. I know them. They follow me. I will lead them to eternal life. So we call ourselves followers of Jesus. And so that means for following, that means we're listening. We don't just call ourselves Christians because that sounds like we signed the contract we're in. Followers is an active kind of sense. He says, my sheep follow me. But he leads us to eternal kind of life. So, again, I don't know what's going on in your life. I know what's going on in my life. I know the questions I'm asking God. I know the discernment I want to hear from God about. Some of you have things right now you can think right away, I know what I want to hear from God on. Or maybe God said something to you and you're trying to figure out, I, I think this is God. And if it's God, I'm going to do it. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. So go back to the, my uh, speak, Lord, I'm listening. And uh, speak, your servant is listening. So just after me, I want to say one, two, three, and I just want you to say that out loud. And if whatever that, I want you to say it. Not We're not saying it to each other. We're saying it to God. And maybe right now you think about something uh, that you're asking God about. Actually, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. The phrase is easy, speak, your servant is listening. So th- I want you to think of something right now that you, you need wisdom from God about. And maybe if there's nothing like that, maybe you just want to know, God, what, what's, what's next for me? I want to follow you. What, do you. what are you asking me to go into? Um, so I'm just going to say one, two, three, and then I want you just to whisper out loud so you can hear it, only you can hear it. In that sense, speak, your servant is listening. Because as you're inviting God to speak into the very issues right now you're thinking about, all right? So speak, your servant is listening. One, two, three. Speak, your servant is listening. So God, that's, that's one of the most life-giving prayers we can pray, but it's also one of the most uh, fearful praise, prayers we can pray because we have no idea what kind of adventure you may be taking us on. But, but we want to follow you. We want to hear you. We want to be people who... Um, Hear, your, hear what you say even in the small dailies of life in terms of how we interact with our son, our daughter, our mom, our dad, our husband, our wife, how we interact with our coworkers. You have things to say to us about those things. You have things to say to us about our money. You have things to say to us about our future. And we want to hear those things. We want to be in relationship with you, in conversation with you, because your promise of us is you lead us into an eternal kind of life in this life and the next. So we love you, Jesus. 
Uh, we want to hear you, and we ask this all in Christ's name. Amen.